At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 426, and today we are talking about books being released on August 15th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tirza Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tirza, hello. Hello, how are you? Well, this is this is a, a weird thing we have going on here. You have recently moved. We ha- we're having some internet issues, so there's like a five second delay. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're just going to do our best. <laughs> we're Yeah, we're just going to do our best, you know. But I'm like, I, I can't tell. I'm like, is she gone? Or is it just a delay? <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Uh, I don't know. Oh my gosh. So uh, I will just go ahead with what we've got going on. Uh, it's the show for August 15th. I did look up the area code for 426, and it turns out that there is no area code 426, or CDXXVI, as us nerds call it. Man, did I love Roman numerals when I was a kid. Nobody <laughs> else wanted to write them down for me. They were like, no. And I thought they were so fun because they were letters and you could make numbers, but no. Nope. So, yeah. So, if you need an area code, 426, up for grabs. What else is happening? It's a million degrees here and sunny, which is nice. Um, Tirza is now back in the EST. Woo woo! Yeah, it's so nice to be able to talk to someone who's on the same time frame as I am, because I have to do math, and that is not fun math with Roman numerals that I enjoy. <laughs> no, it's been very confusing, and for me especially, too, because my brain usually defaults to Eastern time zone, to, so then to move to Central for two years, I was always doing math, and I'm relieved to be back in the Eastern time zone. <laughs> well, Yay! So we are going to talk about books today. Shocker, I know. Before we do that, I want to remind you about tailored book recommendations. If you want to escape the dog days of summer with perfect book recommendations, you can let tailored book recommendations pick awesome books to keep you entertained. Touch grass, grab some lemonade, and enjoy TBR's picks. They're great for readers of all stripes. There are plans for all budgets. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. I have to say, every time I read this ad spot, I find myself singing The Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine, like later in the day. Going, why is this song? Oh, right. (laughs) Because I said The Dog Days of Summer. But yeah, speaking of dogs, you have dogs and cats. How are they doing with the move? They're doing all right. Um, Two of the three cats were extremely traumatized by the move. Like, they both... Yeah. All three did a really great job on the actual drive. It's, like, a 10-hour drive, but it's, you know, 12 hours by the time you have to, like, stop and, you know, get gas and take the dogs out. 
And they were pretty good. Dolly cried like the last two hours. And then both Dolly, oh. I know, both Dolly and Jen were very upset once they arrived. Um, Jen spent like two days wrapped in like this, like he, he burrowed himself in a reusable grocery bag. I think it smelled like our house back in Iowa. And he just stayed there for two days. But th- now all three are exploring and happy. And I think that they're doing much better. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of new things to investigate, all kinds of new smells. That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. My cats are still terrible. That's <laughs> that's the cat update. <laughs> but adorable. They are adorable. Yeah, they are. I, I took like 40 pictures of them. The thing that was really funny to me last night is that Zivon, when he's washing, he'll put his leg up in the air and then he'll forget what he's doing. And he'll <laughs> sit like that with like one back foot in the air for like a really long time. So last night I was like, oh, it's so funny. Look at him. And I went to get my phone to take a picture. And which is like a weird thing to say. Like imagine somebody like the 1800s being like phone picture. What? And I was like, you know what? I have taken enough photos of Zivon with his leg in the air. Like I'm going to let this one go. And I kid you not, less than five minutes later, someone on Instagram sent me a cartoon that involved a cat sticking its leg in the air. And I was like, you have no idea. Like, I just had to stop myself from trying to take its photo. My husband's always like, there are 800 million pictures of the cats on your phone. I'm like, yeah, but like from different days. Like, <laughs> like obviously, <laughs> you know, like, what's the, what's the problem? Duh. Yeah. Oh. All right. So I'm going to start talking about books, but before we do that, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. All right. My first pick today, love, 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 love. It is Thornhedge by T. Kingfisher. I love everything that T. Kingfisher writes. You've probably read something by her. Everyone knows all her books. She's she's very prolific. I mean, like, two or three books or novel or a novella is like a year now. This one is a novella, so I can't say much. And I really think that you should avoid reviews because many of them spoil it. I am not going to spoil it for you. I think that I love her medieval stories the best, including Nettle and Bone, which came out last year, and I cannot recommend enough. Like, I keep telling people to read it, and I still feel like so few people know about this one. And I love Nettle and Bone. It has a demon chicken. It's amazing. Pick it up. This is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty, but not from the perspective of the princess. This is about Toadling. Toadling was stolen away by the fairies as a baby and raised as one of them. Then, when she was older, she was given a job, which she wasn't really thrilled about. She was to go to the palace and place a blessing upon the king's new baby, the princess. Needless to say, this does not go according to plan. Centuries later, the castle is now abandoned. Grass growing, thorns growing, briars, everything all over the place. And inside sleeps the princess. Over the centuries, many knights have tried to get inside and rescue the princess, and all have failed. Outside the castle lives Toadling, still wallowing in her guilt, and trying to keep people from getting inside the castle. The beginning of the story, I read this almost a year ago, so I'm forgetting the time frame exactly, but I think at the beginning is when the knight shows up, and then Toadling tells her story of how it all started. She's going to explain to the knight, like, why he doesn't want to go and rescue a princess, and how they got in this situation to start with. This is so much fun, and like I said, it's only a novella, so I don't want to say anything else about it. I do want to give content warnings for several mentions of animal torture, Not depictions, but just that mentions that it has occurred. Body shaming, physical assault, violence, and death. 
suicide and also the use of antiquated language pertaining to suicide. Uh, so this is Thornhedge by T. Kingfisher. I do love T. Kingfisher, and I just read um, The Hollow Places for the first time, so I'm excited <gasps> to pick up this one. Yeah. So good. Yay. <laughs> yes. All right. My first pick is a graphic novel for um, middle grade readers. It is Two Tribes by Emily Bowen Cohen. And it is inspired by the author's, her own background and her life. So she is Muskegee and Jewish. And she has written this just beautiful coming of age story about Mia So Mia, her, like the author, is Muskegee and Jewish. Her father is a member of the Muskegee Nation. Her mom is Jewish. And at the beginning of the graphic novel, Mia is still just kind of trying to acclimate herself to her new life. Her mom has remarried. And um, there are a lot of Jewish traditions and elements of Jewish identity that are playing a big role in their new home. And while she, you know, she is Jewish and she does, you know, like these traditions, um, they also make her think a little bit more about the traditions that she shares on her father's side of the family, um, which is that she's Muskegee. Her father lives all the way in Oklahoma. And she really doesn't know a whole lot about that side of her life. And when she asks her mom about her dad and about her Muskegee family, her mom doesn't really want to talk about it and, and kind of really just wants to brush it aside. But Mia's kind of like, well, how can I embrace, you know, the Jewish part of me if I'm not also embracing um, my Muskegee side as well. So um, she concocts this plan where she's going to take the money and um, the things that she gets from her bat mitzvah and she's going to cash it in to take a bus to Oklahoma. And of course she does this without telling her mother because she wants to visit her dad and his new family there and hopefully find that missing connection. And so Really sweet coming of age story. I liked the artwork as well. Um, it's very like colorful and expressive. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, if you have, you know, these two um, strong cultural aspects um, on either side of your family, will probably identify with having to. I was going to say reconcile, but I guess not reconcile, but I guess um, just figure out how they fit together in your lives. So that is Two Tribes by Emily Bowen Cohen. Okay. I am going to move to something completely different now. One of the year's most anticipated novels, I do believe, especially if you read the author's last novel. My next pick is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. Kanyas is the author of The Hacienda, which came out a couple of years ago. It was really great. This is another historical gothic novel. It's set in Mexico in the 1840s during the Mexican War. The two main characters, whose points of view it goes back and forth between, are Nena and Nestor. They grew up together on Nena's father's ranch. Nestor is the nephew of a ranch hand. They played together as children. They were inseparable. They did everything together. Nana taught Nestor to read. But then as soon as they hit their teens, Nana's mother insisted that they stay separated. It wasn't okay for girls to play with boys anymore. Um, and so they had to see each other secretly, you know, and hang out. Nestor, he, his dreams are of having a ranch one day, growing up, owning his own ranch, and marrying Nana. 
one night when they sneak out, and I'm not giving anything away. This is all right in the description. These are in the first few pages. They have these plans to sneak out and look for hidden money that they'd heard was hidden somewhere in the lands because Nestor wants this money for his own ranch. While they're out, Nana is attacked by a terrifying gray eyeless creature with fangs. Nestor rushes her home. The family gathers over her. And in everything that's going on, the mother cries out that Nana is dead. Her father starts towards Nestor. And Nestor knows, like, her father's going to kill him. So he runs. And he runs and he runs and he runs and he doesn't stop. And now, almost a decade later, Nestor has gone from ranch to ranch and bar to bar and bed to bed, trying to forget Nana. Nana has grown up studying with Nestor's abuela, learning to be a curandera or a healer. Which comes in handy because a strange sickness has been affecting the ranch hands, putting them in an unconscious, soulless state and keeping Nana and Abuela busy. And so, like, a, almost a decade later, word reaches her father's ranch that the United States has invaded and they are headed towards their ranch. So her father gathers all the farm hands that he can find because he's going to go out and meet them and fight. Nestor gets word that he is needed to help fight and protect the ranch and he decides to put his grieving aside and return to the ranch, even though it might mean facing Nina's family and knowing that they blame him for her death. So imagine his surprise when he sees Nina alive. Nina, for her part, has convinced her father to let her join the fighting party as a nurse. You know, she says, you're going to need somebody to treat wounds and, and sew, sew stitches. But she is just as shocked when she sees Nestor. There's all these swirling emotions. She's so angry because she thought that he left her. And he just can't believe it because he thought she was dead. But they are immediately thrust into the fighting, uh, not only fighting the American soldiers, but what a great place a battlefield is for creatures who feed off blood. Nestor and Nanya must survive the creatures and the war if they want to work out all the complications of their past and have a future. This book is fun. It's violent. It's romantic. It's dramatic. You know, it's the... Oh, if only people had talked kind of trope because Nina's not allowed to ask about Nestor because it's it's not proper because she's the owner of the ranch's daughter. So she doesn't know like that he ran away or what happened to him or anything. And Nestor's family wants to save him the grief of, you know, and, and don't understand why he ran away. So they don't mention that Nina is alive in the letter. So like, you know, they don't know what's going on. But so instead of like, if only these people had talked, it's more like, if only these people had mentioned things in letters. Plus, it covers real history to boot. Of course, I am referring to the Vampire Wars of the 19th century. So this one is so much fun. Content warnings for monster violence and for war violence, gore, loss of a loved one, grief, animal death, classism, racism, sexism, child abuse, and substance abuse. This is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. Awesome. That one sounds amazing. All right. My next pick is The Last Girl Standing by Jennifer Dugan. And Jennifer Dugan, you might recognize her name. She's written a lot of really great, like, queer, contemporary, um, sort of like rom-coms, but like also kind of some more realistic fiction. Hot Dog Girl! Yeah, Hot Dog Girl. They tend to have, like, the look of rom-coms, but I also find them to have, like, you know, slightly more serious themes. Um, but they can still be really fun. So this is, like, her first, I would say, psychological thriller. And it's definitely got some great horror vibes. So it is about two teenage girls, Sloane and Cherry. 
So before the book begins, they were these camp counselors at the summer camp. And like, they really didn't know each other before they both got this job at the summer camp. And um, so, you know, they met, kind of had the hots for each other. But then um, these masked men just attacked the camp one day. Um, and it led to this massacre that like every other counselor that they were working with died. Which is, you know, pretty traumatic and awful. Um, so they were like the two final girls, um, so to speak. And the experience really brought them together. Um, so now they are in a romantic relationship. They are, you know, they, they think that they're pretty, pretty much in love. But also they're maybe a little bit trauma codependent because of what has happened to them. So the book really is from the perspective of Sloan. And it's been like almost a year after this experience. And Sloan has just learned some surprising information about why the camp was attacked and these mass killers, you know, killed everybody but her and Cherry. And in fact, this new information um, has actually led her to suspect that maybe Cherry was in on it. And there's a reason she survived. And so this brings a lot of suspicion. And she's now all of a sudden doubting not only, you know, what happened that night, but like also her relationship with Cherry. And Cherry is just like, no, 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 it's of course not. That is not what happened at all. I'm a survivor like you. But of course, she's not really sure, certain. And so now she has to go back and she has to figure out, you know, what really happened that night and with this new perspective and new information and really confront the past, um, which, of course, will bring her to some more traumatic and shocking revelations. So I liked that this one has the... It has a lot of like the horror tropes and like that classic sort of horror slasher feel, but it also really leans into like the psychological thriller side of things. Um, So yeah, if you are into horror with a dash of psychological, you know, what the heck, mess with your head um, type of thing, The Last Girl Standing by Jennifer Dugan. It's kind of exciting to see Dugan branch out into other genres and I'm eager to see what comes next. Okay, so those are books that we have read and loved. Now we're going to talk about more of today's releases, both in hardcover and paperback, that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. I am going to start with No One Leaves the Castle by Christopher Healy. I have actually read the first 30 pages of this. I read it just now before we started recording because I finished my notes early, which, if you know me, is like amazing. I never, I always finish like right at the last second. So I read the first 30 pages. I'm excited about it because I did read the first book in his series, The Hero's Guide to Saving Your Kingdom, which I really enjoyed. I own all the other books in the series, but haven't read them yet. Story of my life. Um, but this one sounds really fun. It's like a medieval mystery fantasy story. It's also compared to Knives Out, which I need to make a sign for my office that says, It has been zero days since I've been recommended a book with Knives Out in the blurb because it's like the new (laughs) Bond girl. Everybody uses Knives Out. So this is a fun middle grade novel. At least the first 30 pages are, but it sounds really fun. In the story, someone has robbed Castle Angbar, home to the family who owns the lands and the greatest monster hunter in the kingdom. That's Baron Angbar, or Angbar, excuse me. And so the 
jade axe that belongs to Baron Angbar has been stolen, so he sends his butler out to find a bounty hunter. He ends up getting tricked into hiring Lilac, a 14-year-old runaway with no fighting experience whatsoever, uh, and her best friend, Dulcinea the Bard. So he can't get out of his contract. They're all going to ride back to Castle Angbar to get the details and search for clues and find the person who stole this axe. But in a twist, they end up magically sealed inside the castle with all of the Baron's guests and family and servants. And then someone is murdered. Also, the castle walls are moving. And not in a good way, but like inward. So they're going to get squished. So Lilac must discover who the murderer is before they strike again, and also figure out how to get them out of the castle before they get squished. Just in the first 30 pages alone, and also I know from reading his uh, first book in the Hero's Guide stories that these are very silly. It's a little bit Holy Grail. It's a little bit Christopher Moore type humor. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm going to continue reading this one this weekend for sure. It's No One Leaves the Castle by Christopher Healy. That one sounds fun. I have another middle grade title as well. Um, It is Nell and the Nether Beast by Audie Rule. Full disclosure, I actually went to grad school, the same grad school that Audie went to. And so I've heard her read from some fantastic middle grade. She's a hilarious author. Um, She's written some YA as well that is not so much on the funny side. But this one looks like it is going to be funny. So it is about Nell, who is not at all happy about being sent to her Aunt Jerry's bed and breakfast in the town of Deer Valley. Like the last time she went um, to Deer Valley, she picked up a tick in her armpit and it got really big. And so in her mind, Deer Valley is equated with ticks the size of grapes and she's not excited. But she's going along with her older sister, Lulu, and like it's a done deal. She just has to kind of suck it up. Um, while she is there, she crosses paths with the Nether Beast who is definitely not a cat, but looks like a giant black cat that will definitely destroy you and everything that you own. And she kind of is charmed by him. Like she loves animals and she's been volunteering at her animal shelter. And um, she's, she's very much uh, intrigued by this nether beast. And the nether beast is somewhat intrigued by her as well. And so the, Leaves them wondering, like, okay, are, are we going to be friends or is another beast just going to destroy everything? And so she has to help save her aunt's B&B in case another beast decides to destroy it and along the way uncovers a lot of mysteries. I started reading this the other day, just the first chapter or so, and it is hilarious and adorable and I cannot wait. So that is Nell and the Nether Beast by Audie Rule. All right, and my other quick pick for today that I hope to read soon is Fever House by Keith Rawson. I actually picked this one up because the cover got my attention. I love it. It's a scary monster hand throwing metal fingers, which is rad. It's set in Portland, (laughs) Oregon, and it's about an enforcer named Hutch who goes to break some legs at an apartment and instead finds a severed hand in the freezer of his victim's refrigerator, which, when he removes it, unleashes violence and death on those who come in contact with it, and also alerts government agents who have been trying to find it for their own nefarious uses. It sounds rad. I'm in. It's Fever House by Keith Rawson. 
Awesome. All right. My last pick is Forgive Me Not by Jennifer Baker. This is a YA book. It looks kind of hard hitting, but um, really interesting. So it is about Violetta, who is a 15 year old who makes the, the poor decision one night to drive drunk and she causes a horrible, horrible accident that results in the death of her little sister. So um, that is obviously really tragic and she feels horrific guilt, but also doesn't help that her family does blame her and they have not forgiven her. So she is incarcerated in the juvenile justice system and she is given the option to, you know, remain in juvenile detention to serve out a sentence, but that's kind of uncertain how long she'll be there or participate in something called the trials, which if she succeeds, she can regain her freedom and um, perhaps win back her family's love. But of course, the trials force her, you know, to confront a lot of hard things. So I'm intrigued by this, the trials and um, intrigued by, you know, the premise and the setup of this book. Obviously, it's a really tough situation to be in. So I'm definitely going to seek out a copy of that. That's Forgive Me Not by Jennifer Baker. I'm very excited to read this one because Jennifer Baker has been an important figure in publishing for many years now in a few different roles. And I'm excited to read her first novel, so I've been looking forward to this one. It's at the top of my list to buy for sure. Yes. Looks fantastic. We've been going along at a good clip today. Usually, like, we meander, and by we, I mean me, because I'm easily distracted. <laughs> uh, and we go, I go off on these tangents. But we're actually moving right along, as the Muppets say. So before I start telling you about paperback releases, we are going to hear from our next sponsor. Okay, so here are some paperback releases out today, some that used to be in hardcover, some that are paperback originals, starting with The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. This is about a father willing to do anything to get money to save his dying daughter, so he takes a job as a hitman, but things don't go according to plan. And speaking of assassins, Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn, which I know I raved about last year, it's so much fun. It's about four women assassins who work for a secret government agency, and they've done it for 40 years, and now they have retired. But on their retirement vacation trip, someone tries to kill them. They quickly realize it is someone from their old agency, and they might have 40 years of experience and 40 years of fighting, but they're not done yet. They're going to find those killers first. This story will change after The Happily Ever After by Elizabeth Crane. I have not read this one, but I've heard great things. It is her memoir about the breakup of her marriage after 15 years. Sacrificio by Ernesto Mestre Reed, about a group of young HIV-positive counter-revolutionaries in Cuba in 1998 who want to remove Castro from office. Book of Night by Holly Black. This is Black's adult fantasy debut. In a world where shadows can be removed and used for magic, which also means that they can be used for evil. Cat Brushing by Jane Campbell. This is a debut story collection that Campbell released at age 80, which is amazing. I keep meaning to read this, so I threw it in here as another reminder to myself that I need to read this. Will Do Magic for Small Change by Andrea Hairston. 
This is a historical fantasy in which magic meets aliens. Free Water by Amina Lookman Dawson. This was the winner of the Newbery Award as well as the Coretta Scott King Award. It's about two enslaved children who escape from a plantation and find a community of free people. A Taste for Poison, 11 Deadly Molecules and the Killers Who Use Them by Dr. Neil Bradbury. I've read this one. It's great. It's pretty self-explanatory from the title and just as interesting as it sounds. And in paperback originals today, Josh Mallerman, the author of Bird Box, Daphne, Goblin, a bunch of other things, has a new book out. It's called Spin a Black Yarn, Novellas. Publisher says this is five harrowing novellas of horror and speculative fiction. So if you're a Josh Mallerman fan, you want to run out and get this one. There's also The Untelling by Tayari Jones. This is a reissue of Jones's second novel about a young woman whose early life was marked by tragedy, who is now trying to find her way as an adult. And speaking of reissues, both After You'd Gone and My Lover's Lover by Maggie O'Farrell are being re-released. O'Farrell is most recently the author of Hamnet and The Marriage Portrait, and these are reissues of her first and second novels. So, those are some paperbacks out today. Tirza, what are you going to read next? Next up, I think I will be reading Her Radiant Curse by Elizabeth Lim. I was sent an arc of that um, right before I moved. So I like tossed it in a box that I would be able to find again. And I, I just found the box, so that's exciting. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it is a companion to her Six Crimson Cranes and the Dragon's Promise duology, So, which I enjoyed so much. So yeah, Her Radiant Curse by Elizabeth Lim. Awesome. I am continuing with my habit of reading a million things at once. I just watched Good Omens Season 2, and I realized I have not read very much Terry Project. So I am rereading the first Discworld book, of which there are over 40, uh, The Color of Magic. And I'm also reading Opinions, A Decade of Arguments, Criticism, and Minding Other People's Business by Roxanne Gay, which is coming out in October. They just announced it last week, and it's coming out in October. And it's very exciting because uh, as someone who works with new releases and looks at the catalogs all the time, there has been a new Roxanne Gay on the calendar for, like, the last three years. And I don't know if it's the same book, but there have been different titles. And then all of a sudden, boom, we find out two months from now, new Roxanne Gay. So very exciting. And I've also started reading this other book. I don't know why. It just sounded so interesting. It's called Disney's British Gentleman, The Life and Career of David Tomlinson by Nathan Morley. You might not recognize his name, but he was Mr. Banks in the original Mary Poppins. He was in Love Bug. He was in a bunch of other things. And apparently he had a very interesting and tragic life compared to the roles that he had on screen. And I don't know, I was just a sucker for the description, so I'm getting ready to start that one as well. And, like, also whatever catches my attention as soon as I turn my head away from this computer, because then I'll be like, oh, that (laughs) one! (laughs) Because that's just how it works. So that is it for us today. Uh, Sorry, it was so short today, but I cannot hear Tirza at all. (laughs) So... (sighs) It's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it'll be all straightened out by next time, I'm sure. You know, all this. Yes. The internet is doing weird things. And now, of course, I can hear you because it's the end of the show and you're coming in just fine. (laughs) Because that is how life goes. 
So make sure to check out TBR by visiting mytbr.co to sign up today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tirza, where can people find you online? Find me on Instagram at at Tirza Price. All right. And I also hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy reading. reading.